the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. As we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, it's the 24th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And we have a lot of things to do today. Two guests coming up in about an hour. We're going to talk to our friend Bob Anthony from the Northeast Ohio Classical Association, which is a terrific, terrific um, charter school organization that is launching with the Hillsdale Barney School model. Um, Big, big, big event. And the reason why it's a big event is because we have to find a way to get our kids out of public schools and even out of some of the private schools that have gone woke and that are endangering them as well. We need alternatives. And the answer is what Bob and I are going to talk about. We've had him on before. We told you about the NEOCA uh, before. And we'll do that again at 1010 today. It's extremely important now because guess what? School has begun. Kids are back in classes now this week. Some of them went back last week. And, uh, what is, what is waiting for them when they get there? 
What kind of woke nonsense is waiting for them when they get there? I have the answer to that question. We're going to talk about some of it, and we're going to talk to Bob about alternatives. The problem is, of course, we need to make sure that your kids can afford to go to other schools. And that means school choice, following the dollars, following the student, wherever it is that they may go. The law requires that the state pay your tax dollars and mine to educate our kids. The state shouldn't get to hold them captive in one place or another. They ought to be free to go to wherever it is that they wish or that you wish. Big deal. And a lot to talk about this morning on that front. Coming up at 10.10 with uh, Bob Anthony. Then at uh, 11.10, Jack Windsor, our good friend from the Ohio Press Network and also our State House correspondent, is going to talk to us about the races, the Vance versus Ryan race. Some new numbers are very, very illuminating. We're going to talk about that. We'll look to our east as we continue to kind of you know, follow, out, uh, follow up on the uh, uh, House and Senate races uh, nationwide, because that's what everybody is waiting to see, is who's in control in November. And the Fetterman-Oz race in Pennsylvania has taken some interesting turns as well. So Jack is going to have thoughts on that and more. So those are the two guests. Bob Anthony at 11, or 1010, rather. Uh, 10, uh, 10, no, 10, yeah, we'll figure that out. I thought it was 1010. Um, that's all right, though. We'll figure that out, and then uh, we'll talk to Bob Anthony, and we will talk to Jack Windsor. Those are our two guests today. You, of course, are my most important guest. I really enjoy learning from you and also having conversation with you. So you can dial when you're ready at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. By the way, I have neglected in recent days to check in with the sound off button on the uh, Always Right webpage. I will have to correct that, and I will. Uh, so if you've got thoughts and you've been leaving messages, and I see a lot of people have been, if you've been leaving messages at Always Right uh, .us, always .us. I will get to those today as well. Now, before we get into this uh, top story of the day, I'm going to ask you to stand and face your flag, if you have one, and put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of, the lead, Pledge of Allegiance. If you are driving, you do not have to do the standing part, but I'm sure you can do the hand on your heart part. If you are a leftist who believes in giving away taxpayer money to rich kids who took too many student loans out, well, then you have no idea what liberty is all about nor the flag that represents that liberty and this country. So as such, you are exempted from my request to uh, join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. Instead, you may take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback, your favorite ex-WNBA player in a Russian prison, and your favorite ex-pink-haired soccer player. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Biden is expected today to announce his forgiveness of student loan debts to all students earning under $125,000 a year, a total of up to $10,000 per student. It's a scheme. It's a scheme, and it's a scam, and it's unfair. It's unfair to virtually anybody and everybody who ever took out a loan, student or otherwise, and paid it back. It's a scheme, and it's a scam to anybody who ever borrowed money for a car. It's a scheme, and it's a scam to anybody who's ever bought a house and has a mortgage. It's a scheme, and it's a scam to anybody that has ever voluntarily taken a loan from a bank and then 
had to pay it back. Because what they are doing now is telling young students that their first lesson is, if you get in over your head, don't worry. Don't worry, kids. We won't make you pay everything back. Life is just going to hand you stuff on a silver platter from now on. That's the lesson that's being taught here. This is a welfare scheme, is what it is, for the rich, primarily. Primarily, this move will get, you know, Biden Biden and his announcement coming up today, they're going to say that, well, this is for lower-income Americans, obviously. This is going to benefit them. Because if you earn less than $125,000, you're going to get to, you know, to write off $10,000 of your student loans. So clearly this is aimed at the poor and the lower middle class, right? No. A closer look at the numbers, and the Federalist provides this in detail, shows who truly pays off or gets uh, paid off on this and who is truly better off. According to analysis from the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business, which came out yesterday, this wide-ranging student loan bailout will come with a price tag of around $300 billion to $980 billion for American taxpayers. Furthermore, between 69 and 73% of the debt that is going to be forgiven accrues to households in the top 60% of income distribution. The school's conclusion is supported by prior data analyzed by the liberal Brookings Institution just two years ago in 2020 as Democrats vying for the presidential nomination, all touted student loan forgiveness programs as part of their platforms. Well, according to the leftist Brookings Institute, quote, the highest income 40% of households, those with incomes above $74,000, owe almost 60% of the outstanding education debt and make almost three-quarters of the payments. The lowest income 40%, uh, lowest income 40% of households hold just under 20% of the outstanding debt and make only 10% of the payments. So what does that say? If you're listening and if you're paying attention, it says that those who are on the higher end of the income scales are going to get the breaks. They're the ones whose debt is going to be written off because the lower uh, uh, income scale or income households on the scale are simply not making many of those payments. Meanwhile, students who took out the loans are far better equipped to pay them off than other American taxpayers. A typical worker with a bachelor's degree is likely to earn nearly $1 million more over their career than the same person with just a high school diploma. About 75% of student loan borrowers took loans to go to two- or four-year colleges, and they account for about half of all the student loan uh, debt that is outstanding. The remaining 25% of borrowers went to graduate school. They account for the other half of the debt outstanding. So in other words, students who weren't happy with just four years, but they had to take at least two more years of graduate school, more loans taken out, they're going to be the ones who benefit from your tax dollars paying them off. This is a welfare scheme for the rich. And it's simply not fair. Not fair because of, well, many of the things just covered in that Federalist piece, but also because of things that you and I know and that we talk about on a regular basis. What about the rest of us? What about your kids and mine and maybe you who didn't go to college at all because they knew they weren't going to be able to afford those debts, and so they went to a different kind of school, they went to a trade school? What about the people who didn't incur these debts in the first place? Why should they have to pay off the debts for those who did choose that path? It's not fair 
to the welders, the carpenters, the hairdressers, the people who chose to not go to college or who couldn't afford to go or to stay into college. It's not fair for them. It's also not fair to the people who have paid off their student loans because they've made personal financial sacrifices to allow them to do that. It also is a complete farce that they already passed something misnamed as the Inflation Reduction Act and turn around and are going to make inflation worse. Economists, Obama economist Larry Summers and others are making this point, Sean, that you're going to make education more expensive by letting these colleges know that, oh, gee, every student basically has an extra $10,000. Let's just tack it on from the beginning. But in addition to that, we are, we are making things more expensive because they continue to spend money that we don't have on things that we don't need. Money we don't have, but yet our government continues to print some four and a half trillion dollars they've printed in the last two years alone. They continue to print, um, which is, of course, just a death spiral for the American dollar. It's going to cripple the economy. It's going to continue to increase inflation. Everyone knows this, and yet they want to do this for what reason? Because they care about students? Because they care about parents paying off their students' debt? No, because politics, it looks good and it sounds good to say, we're not going to make you pay back that money because, well, because just because, because we care about you so much, we want to give you a leg up. We want to give you a hand up in this life. We don't want you to go into your adulthood with all of this debt. It's politics. And they know that their leftist indoctrinated students who are going to be part of the Democrat base going forward will say, yeah, thank you, Mr. Biden. Thank you, Democrats. I'm voting for you. But the reality is this is unfair to virtually everyone and, most importantly, those who did it right. I'm going to play you a clip from January of 2020, when, again, they were floating these ideas around, those who were going to be uh, presidential candidates and not, uh, for the nomination of the Democrat Party were all talking about, I will forgive student debt. You won't have to pay back this crippling debt. Well, Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas slash Focahontas herself, uh, was one of them. And she was confronted at one of her ridiculous speeches by a dad who asked all of the right questions and made all of the right points. It's a little hard to listen to because it's off, uh, hard to hear rather, because it's off mic somewhat, but I think you can make it out. Uh, I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I saved all my money. She doesn't have any school. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not even like that. Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work, she was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate it. So, again, it's off mic. I'll, I'll give you the transcription here, just in case you missed it. The man went up to Elizabeth Warren and said, my daughter's in school, and I saved all my money just to pay her student loans. Can I have my money back? And Elizabeth Warren said, of course not. And the man said, so you're going to pay for people who didn't save the money? And those of us who did right are going to get screwed? He said, my buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacation. I saved my money. He made more than I did, but I worked a double shift, and my daughter's worked since she was 10 to pay for her school. So you're after me. And she said, no, I'm not. And he said, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. And she said, appreciate it, and moved on to the next person. He's right. 
Those who saved their money, those who put their money aside, those who did 529 college funds or whatever other investments they could make, taking money out of their weeklies to pay for their kids' educations, those who did it right get screwed. They paid everything off, so it's get out of my face. Biden says, you're not important. You already paid off your debt. Get out of my face. But the people who went on vacations and had the nicer cars and lived in a more expensive house couldn't pay off. Uh, or excuse me, uh, 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 don't have the money to pay off these loans, or their kids don't, and yeah, we're going to cover you. The American taxpayer is going to cover you. This is completely unfair. I want to play a clip um, that I think really, really illustrates it well. You may recognize the voice. Excuse me. Uh, you may recognize the voice from the Shark Tank. If you ever watched the Shark Tank show with, uh, you know, with Mark Cuban, uh, Mr. Wonderful. Uh, it was a guest on uh, Kevin O'Leary. It was a guest on uh, CNBC talking about this horrific, horrific idea of paying down all of this debt. And he laid it out in as clear terms, in terms of the fairness factor, as anybody could. Listen. Becky, I'm trying to find merit in this proposed policy, and I can't. This is policy born in hell, and I'll tell you why. Nobody wins. What do you say to people for generations now that have realized, like everybody does, that education is not a right, it's a privilege. You make a decision as a young adult to pursue an education for a wide range of reasons, including advancing yourself in your career and your salary, et cetera, and that's proven to work. But you take on responsibilities, including student debt. So what do you tell people, generations past, that have actually paid back their debt. How about the people that are working so hard to get scholarships to excel? What do you tell them? Don't bother, it's free. How about the people that never had the opportunity to go to college? About 12% of the population has student debt. The other 88% have to pay for them? And then think about the politics of this. And this is what I find so extraordinary. Average salary in America, $58,000, depending on regions. You're telling these people this is a big problem. Meanwhile, you can't fill up your car. Chicken costs 48% more. And this is at the top of the agenda for the president. Can you imagine? This is manna from heaven for the Republican Party. In all these tight races coming into the midterms, This is going to be the issue that they get to campaign on. Why, why would you do this? This is a really, really bad idea and brings into question, and I'll ask my good friend John that maybe he can help us, who is advising Biden? I'll stop that there because I don't want to get into the politics just yet. I want to stick on the numbers and I want to talk about the fundamental fairness factor. And he brought up somebody that's really important in that, in that clip. Me. He brought up me. And he brought up you. Did you go to college? Did you take out loans? Did you pay them back? I did. Just about everybody I know did. Where's my reparations? I paid them back years ago through blood and sweat. Well, I mean, not so much blood, but a lot of sweat and a lot of work. I paid them back. Why should this generation be forgiven this debt? Mine wasn't. And what about the people who just paid off their child's debt or the students themselves who paid off their debt five years ago? I paid mine off 25 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was. What about those who paid it off just five years ago? They're just a little bit late to the gravy train, so they don't get any assistance. They're not getting back checks. This is 
madness. This is this is national welfare based upon choices made. No one forces anyone to take out a loan, not for an education, not for a car, not for a house, not for a boat, not for a rocket ship. No one is forced to take the loan. But those who chose to take these loans are not going to be held accountable for them or a portion of them all so Joe Biden can appeal to more potential voters, particularly those in the midterm who will say, thank you, Democrats, for the free lunch. 925, I'll be back. Up in the morning, yeah. This is um, this, and you know, and I'm still trying to figure out too. As we talk about this uh, this announcement that's coming today about uh, student loan forgiveness, where does it say this is is okay in the law? And what I, I I mean, it may be, and I don't know it, but I don't, I I really question it. Is this even in the purview of the executive, the chief executive, the president, to just say, eh, I'm going to wave my wand and say everybody who owes money on student loans can be forgiven? I, I, I didn't know he could do that unilaterally. That doesn't involve Congress at all. That's a problem that I have as well. I hope this is challenged immediately in court when it does happen. Uh, Tanya's in Akron. Let's get a call in real quick here before the bottom of the hour. Hi, Tanya. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, right on target. I think that until we get parents to stop allowing their kids to go to these stupid, highly expensive schools, it's never going to change. We're going to be back doing this next two years from now, four years from now. We need to be going after the uh, Republicans when they need to go and get in office. We need to go after the Ohio State, the Harvard, the Yale, and get their money back from them. Any of those, any money that is taken away that is relieved from that we write off. We need to go to those schools and go to their endowment programs and snatch that money directly from them. Take their Could not agree more. Yeah, Tom, you're right. You're right. The the rate of inflation for college educations is triple, quadruple, maybe even more than that, the regular rate of inflation for just about everything else. They have been jacking up the costs of tuition and room and board. And thank you for the call, Tanya. We're going to get to our news. They have been jacking it up at rates that are, that are unbelievable. They get richer and richer and richer. And the kids have to pay more and more. And the parents have to pay more and more if there is forgiveness that needs to be done here. Don't take the money from the taxpayers. Take it from the universities that are stealing it in such record rates from the students and their parents. That's very, very well said. Great point, Tanya. We'll take news and come back. 216-901-0945. We're open for you now on AM 1420, The Answer. Maybe get a pistol on your little finger. Maybe get a blister on your thumb. We got to install microwave ovens. Custom kitchen. against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob Fratt on The Answer. Should Joe Biden, number one, have the right to give away your tax dollars to pay off student loan debts taken by, by American students? That's number one. And number two, should Joe Biden do so? 
I don't think you should have, and I don't think it's within the purview of the executive to just wave a wand and say, okay, your debt is all forgiven. Just this kind of debt, not that kind of debt. What about small business loans that are taken out by people who are trying to, you know, make, make money, create jobs, hire people, help grow the economy? What about their loans? We're going to forgive 10000 of that? What about loans taken out on vehicles? What about loans taken out for mortgages? What about loans taken out for luxury items? What about loans taken out for any... Why specific to student loans? Why do students who choose to go to college and not to go into the work world or to go into a trade school or whatever, particularly the ones who leave school with loans that they're never going to be able to pay back because they didn't get their degrees, because they didn't go to college to get a degree. They went to college to do keg stands. They went to college for frat parties. They went to college to avoid having to become a grown-up for four more years. They didn't even have an interest in getting the degree, and they left without one. They're going to get $10,000 of their beer money back. Are you kidding me? How is that right? How is that fair for anybody? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you about my daughter. Now, my daughter is a senior now at Hillsdale, as hard as that is to believe. She's going to graduate this coming May. Hold on, Kevin. I'll come back to you in a moment. That's Kevin O'Leary, and I'm going to play a little bit more of that. But um, She's going to graduate this coming May, and she's going to graduate with no student loan debt. And there's a reason because she received a full tuition scholarship for her extraordinary work going into her college application process. We've had to pay room and board for her, and fortunately we've been able to do that without having to take out any loans. She's going to graduate without loan debt, and people are going to say, well, then who are you to talk about this? You don't have any debt to pay. She doesn't have any debt to pay. So, you know, you don't, you don't understand. She got her school for free. You don't count. Free? Free? Do you have any idea what the cost is for a girl to stay home while other people at parties, making sure that she could write the best paper? It's not even due for three more days, but making sure she could write the best paper she could in order to get an A, in order to get a 99 instead of a, an 89. She could have graduated with the 89. She could, have gotten, she could have gotten Bs and been very happy and gone to school and taken out loans like everybody else. How about the amount of effort and work that it takes to graduate with a 4.5 uh, GPA, to get a 34 on an ACT, to, uh, to um, <clears throat> have a big laundry list of extracurricular activities and co-curricular activities and leadership activities and volunteerism activities that all shine brightly when applications for scholarship, scholarships are made? She put in those hours. She put in that sweat and that labor. She put in that time. She earned every nickel of her scholarships. Every nickel. So why, when she graduates with no student loan debt, should she or I have to pay for somebody who spent their time not studying as hard as they could, working as hard as they could to get scholarships, or, like I said, just went to college for the for the beer pong and took out loans so they could be there, so they could live in a dorm or live in a frat house and be a clown for a few more years before adulting has to happen. Why should my high-achieving, hard-working daughter have to pay for that for somebody else? Now, that's within the, the, the college uh, experience. 
And then, of course, we talk about those outside of it, those who knew they couldn't afford to go to college, at least not and get a degree, and recognized if I can't afford all four years, why should I bother going for one or two? And so they said, what I'll do is I'll go to a one- or two-year-old, a two-year trade school. I'll learn a skill. I'll learn something that can make me employable and make me a good, solid, steady, maybe even above-average living. So I'm going to go to one of those schools. Why should they, when they're done, have to pay for the student loans of the ones who went to school to, to goof off? Or even the ones who went to, took it seriously and got degrees and then wanted to go to graduate school and took out more student loans. Why should the trade school kid pay for the graduate school kid's loans? And then, as noted before, what about all of those of us who paid, paid off their loans? I paid off my loans. My wife paid off her loans. Everybody I know paid off their loans. When, does, when is the government going to come back and give us our uh, student loan reparations? I know it sounds silly, but so is the idea of forgiving any of these loans that people voluntarily took. Now, I'm going to go back and play that Kevin Leary clip again, and I'm going to get into his uh, adversary on CNBC's Squawk Box. Um, the, you know, typical leftist, they put a, they put a, uh, somebody who's in support of the student loan forgiveness and then somebody who's opposed to it. I want you to listen to both of these because they're very, very important to understand how insane this entire idea is, how unfair it is, and how dangerous it is, what kind of a message it sends as well. So I want you to hear both sides of this, and then I'll take your thoughts at 216-901-0945. Becky, I'm trying to find merit in this proposed policy, and I can't. This is policy born in hell, and I'll tell you why. Nobody wins. What do you say to people for generations now that have realized, like everybody does, that education is not a right it's a privilege you make a decision as a young adult to pursue an education for a wide range of reasons including advancing yourself in your career and your salary etc and that's proven to work but you take on responsibilities including student debt so what do you tell people generations past that have actually paid back their debt how about the people that are working so hard to get scholarships to excel what do you tell them don't that's my daughter that's what i was talking about that's exactly right. She worked her tail off. Her school well, wasn't free. free. Yeah, it wasn't free. She earned every single bit of that. And so do all of the other kids who work their tails off and get scholarships so they don't have to take out student loans or take out as large of loans. You know, what do you tell them? You shouldn't have worked so hard because guess what? You're, everybody else's is going to be free like yours. How about the people that never had the opportunity to go to college? About 12% of the population has student debt. The other 88% have to pay for them. And then think about the politics of this. And this is what I find so extraordinary. Average salary in America, $58,000, depending on regions. You're telling these people this is a big problem. Meanwhile, you can't fill up your car. Chicken costs 48% more. And this is at the top of the agenda for the president. Can you imagine? This is manna from heaven for the Republican Party. In all these tight races coming into the midterms, this is going to be the issue that they get to campaign on. Why? Why would you do this? This is a really, really bad idea. and brings into question, and I'll ask my good friend John, that maybe he can help us. Who is advising Biden? Who are his closest advisors? What planet are they on? It's not the planet Earth. John, your take? Uh, well, Kevin, good morning. <laughs> yeah, Ginger Coffee. Um, I love you, man. 
what what you should tell the people who are asking uh, why should I pay for this and you know I paid for this. You should tell them that their grandfather. This, by the way, is John Hope Bryant, who is on with uh, Kevin O'Leary uh, with uh, Operation Hope, the CEO of Operation Hope, who is in favor of the student loan forgiveness. Got it for free. It's called the GI Bill. Uh, that the white middle. Wait, wait, wait. John, wait. your take. We got to hear that again. Uh, well, Kevin, good morning. <laughs> you had your coffee. Um, I love you, man. Uh, what what you should tell the people who are asking uh, why should I pay for this and you know I paid for this. You should tell them that their grandfather. Got it for free. It's called the GI Bill. I have to stop that there, and I know Kevin is probably going to take him apart here for that in a moment, but can you believe the audacity of the American left comparing student loan debt forgiveness by a left-wing president trolling for votes just 70-some days before a midterm election in which his agenda is on the line? Comparing that student loan forgiveness program to People who served the country and put their lives on the line by joining the military to earn money for college, to earn money for college, not to get their college for debt forgiven. They earned it by going into service of the country through the GI Bill. This guy just said, those of people who are complaining, your daddy's got free education through the free by 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 enlisting in the service? Uh, Are you asking, serious? Uh, why should I pay for this? And you know, I paid for this. You should tell them that their grandfather got it for free. It's called the GI Bill. Uh, that the white middle class came, and it was a white middle class because ninety eight percent of all the GI bills, unfortunately, went to Caucasians. Blacks were left out. But uh, that that money, which about equates. By the way, if you adjust for um, uh, population, it's about I'd argue the money. It wasn't for free if it was for service for your country during the war. There you- How about that from the CNBC host? How about that? Somebody had to say it. There you go. Well, this is we've had service for our country. Working class have been keeping us all in our homes, zooming <laughs> for the last few years. This is a reinvesting in America. America. So now he's going to compare the GI Bill and. Those who went into the military to pay for their college educations to people who are just part of the working class because they keep us in our homes so we can Zoom. So we're going to compare people who just work for a living to those who went and actually put on a uniform, picked up a weapon, and put his life on the line for the country. These people are maniacal. They're maniacs. They're psychopaths. This is this this line of thinking. This complete dismissal of the sacrifices made by those who joined the military to pay for their college. All in trying, and then he tries to make it a racial issue that the GI Bill was racist because ninety-eight percent of the recipients were white. Well, maybe ninety-eight percent of the enlistees were white because I'm pretty sure that the GI Bill applied to everybody. Pretty sure that there was no discrimination against people based on the color of their skin when they enlisted and then uh, uh, went to uh, went into the GI program. Pretty sure that nobody was saying, yeah, you're black, we're not going to give you any money for college, but if you still want to enlist, you can. Pretty sure that was outlawed in 1964. What is this guy talking about? You know, TARP wasn't just about managing a balance sheet, Kevin. It was about managing the psyche of this country. It was about managing Wall Street's expectation that the, the bottom wasn't falling out. Uh, and this last recent bailout, I'm sorry, support through the Fed window, the same thing. This is about folks who feel who are working class, 
who feel poor, who are middle class, who feel working class. And, and this actually cuts at the bottom. It says when, it, when prices are going up, here's one thing, $500 a month, by the way, is what $100,000 with a student loan that does to your, your paycheck, out. This is something that actually the government can say we're investing in you to boost your educational level, which will boost GDP. I'm actually being sound like a capitalist. You and I are the same here, Kevin. The best thing you can do is to invest in education and debt relief around education at the bottom of the pyramid right now. You know what else would boost GDP, you uh, corporate clown? You know what else would boost GDP? More entrepreneurship. More people taking out capital loans, business loans, in order to open their own shops, in order to, in order to create jobs, in order to provide goods and services to the population, hiring more people to work, generating income, generating revenue, generating taxes. How about you take people who have taken out business loans and forgive that? How about we forgive 10% of business loans or capital loans to those who are trying to grow GDP by trying to help the economy? It needs to be done more surgically, Kevin. I'll say, I'll give you that. It should be a rifle shot, not a shotgun. Meaning that only people at much lower income levels should be getting this, or meaning that much bigger numbers should go to people at, at the much lower income levels? The first thing, Becky, so a third of all uh, of student loan debt is $35,000 or less. So if you do this at the bottom level, you're going to wipe out a third of all debt, and in some cases all the debt, even including white rural communities and black and brown urban, everybody's going to feel this because they're going to have this debt relief off their shoulders. Most of my clients he keeps saying the there's going to be. Which, he keeps saying there's going to be debt relief. But what about those of us who have to pay back these loans in higher taxes to pay for these people? I'm not getting debt relief. By the way, the biggest folks build, uh, building businesses right now, Becky, black folks. Black 38% pop in black-owned businesses in the last two years. They left uh, jobs that were dead end and go start a business. This frees people up more for that. This allows people... Work. Then forgive their business loans, you clown. Forgive their business loans if you want to do this. First of all, you shouldn't forgive any loans. Again, when you borrow, you take that on. I bought a truck four months ago. I'm going to be paying those bills back for five years. Nobody's going to forgive my loan. And why should they? I made the decision. Working class folks to say, maybe I'll buy a home now for that $100,000. What's the down payment? Ten grand, Kevin. $10,000 is the down payment for the average. John, John I, I can't get there. We just printed $4.5 trillion over the last two and a half years. We have helped everybody. This has nothing to do with gender or race. It has to do with equity. It's simply not fair. This idea is un-American by any measure. Everybody's uncomfortable with this. I can't find anybody that likes this idea. And I know, and I get, I'm guessing right now, within the White House, as they discuss this going into the midterm, somebody's going to say, Mr. President, let's punt this. This is a horrible idea. Let's deal with it on the other side. Imagine the membership of the Democratic Party fighting these races. They're razor close and giving their competitor this manna from heaven. This is crazy. It's just politically insane. It's, it's a kamikaze idea. See, I disagree with Kevin O'Leary on that point. From the political standpoint, it's the only thing that makes sense is for the left to say, hey, everybody who has student loans... And I, again, they, they need to be very crystal clear about who gets them. What's the uh, cutoff line? If you have loans from 10 years ago that you're still paying on, because most people take a good 10, 12, 15 years to pay off student loans, depending on the amount. 
if it's if you graduated 10 years ago and your loan started, are you eligible? Or is it five years ago? What about students that are in, in uh, a college right now? What about sophomores who are taking out loans this year, next year, and senior year, and they won't have to start paying them back until 2025, 26? Do they get a preemptive $10,000 forgiveness? They have to figure out how they're going to implement this whole thing anyway. But the bottom line is those who do get that forgiveness are going to be much more likely to say, man, look what Biden and the Democrats did. They just gave me 10 G's back for my student loan now that I don't have to pay for the beers, uh, the beer that I bought, the parties that I went to and everything else. Uh, I don't have to pay that now. I kind of dig that. I'll check the box for a Democrat in November. I think Kevin O'Leary is wrong on the politics. He's right on the economics, and he's right, most importantly, on the fundamental fairness factor. I'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Our number two is underway. Nine minutes after 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. I was wrong, by the way, in the uh, top of the show. I said Bob Anthony would join us at 1010. I was corrected by my producer. Uh, we did figure it out. My producer was right. I was wrong. He's 1035, so in about 20, well, about 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, whatever. We'll have uh, Bob Anthony on with us to talk about the Northeast Ohio Classical Academies that are uh, in a huge fundraising picnic and a great time that's going to be happening uh, this uh, this Saturday. We've got a lot of events, in fact, to promote here that are very important. But Bob will join us to talk about that at 1035. At 1110, Jack Windsor will join us for his regular Wednesday visit from the Ohio Free or the Ohio Press Network. rather. So I'm looking forward to both of those conversations. By the way, I stumbled across the answer to my own question. Does Joe Biden have the authority, the right, to wave an executive wand or use a pen and a phone to just forgive millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in student loan debt, 10000 bucks at a time? Does he have the right to do that as an executive? I don't know. Let's check in with the Speaker of the House. People think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. <laughs> I wonder if anybody's going to tell him uh, before he goes to the podium today uh, to have his little uh, executive signing ceremony. <laughs> By the way, you know he's only coming back from Delaware for that, and then he's heading right back to Del- Delaware again. Um, he is in a constant beach house uh, of vacation. But how about that? Nancy Pelosi, this was as recent as last year. In 2021, as uh, Democrats and leftists were screaming for debt forgiveness, student loan debt forgiveness, she was trying to say he can't do it. He can't do it. Quit trying to make him do it. He can't do it. It's not in his authority. It's got to go through the Congress. But here he is today. He's about to do it. 
And I wonder if Nancy will be by his side when he does it. And if she is, I want to know if there's any member of the press corps that's got the coolians to get up in front of the rest of the world and play this clip off of their cell phone. That's If I had a press pass and Biden announced a debt forgiveness today, and especially if Pelosi was there, even if she wasn't, I would stand up and go to the nearest microphone and push play. It's only 70, 17 seconds long. I mean, uh, how quickly could they get to me and tackle me before I played this? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. Oh, uh, thank you, uh, Madam Speaker. And by the way, that was remarkably uh, coherent. Uh, very, hardly a slur. Uh, not not a little. Not a bit of bourbon leaking through those dentures. It was uh, it was impressive. Well done. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Should Biden be allowed to do this? Should he do this? And if so. What else should be forgiven? Because I got a whole list of things I would like to have forgiven. TJ's in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, Bob. You know, in the beginning of last hour, you made the statement that some people paid for their education with blood and sweat, but not so much blood. Well, a lot of people did pay for that ed- education literally with blood. Uh, you know, with the GI Bill. Yeah, and I, and I, co- I covered the GI. I thought pretty pretty right. well because yes, uh, what I was referring to when I said that was about um, like students like my daughter who put in all of the blood and sweat. And I said, okay, not so much the blood, but the sweat to study like crazy and earn her scholarships. That's why I took the blood part out. But obviously, with the GIs, people putting their lives on the line to go and raise their own college money by going through the GI Bill, then you absolutely blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, and that guy you played, uh, I would love to have him serve a few weeks with us in our unit in Vietnam and then sit there and tell us what a freebie we were given, you know, when we come home to get the GI Bill, to call that a freebie. What a slap in the face to anybody that served in the military. Yes, it was. And, it, and you know, the problem with Democrats, Bob, they're real good at uh, uh, treating symptoms but not diseases. You know, student loans is a symptom. The real disease is the ridiculously high cost of college uh, and these universities. Why don't they do something about that? Look at the wealth these universities amass. Why is education so expensive? That's what they should be looking into, not you know forgiving student loans and stuff. But, but that's typical Democrat. Yeah. Treat the symptom, not the disease. That it's is 100% true. Um, Tanya called in about that from Akron earlier about, you know, take the money out of the endowments of these universities. I mean, Harvard, and thanks for the call, TJ, Harvard has a $43 billion, let me say that for emphasis, $43 billion endowment. Yale has a $31 billion endowment. If anybody needs to give a break to the students that went through their doors, it's them. They can forgive some of those loans. They can pay that money back to the federal government, not the taxpayers, not the plumber and the plumber's kid down the block, but but those who uh, you know those who took those loans out and have been just completely, you know, I hate to use a euphemism like rape, but I mean financially raped by these universities. Um, let the universities pay the freight if there's going to be any kind of forgiveness whatsoever. Let them come up with the money to pay back the federal government for these loans. Don't take it from people who didn't borrow the money. 
Don't take it from people who've already paid back their loans. Don't make us pay double for the other people. It's just ridiculous. Thank you, TJ, for the call. But, yeah, their endowments are enormous. Uh, let's go to Sally next. Sally, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Uh, I actually have two points. Uh, the first is I think that Biden must think he's King Midas waving a magic wand, only he's using taxpayer money to buy votes. And second, colleges, when students apply, require them for financial aid to fill out a FAFSA, which assesses parents' financial um, ability to pay, supposedly. And they determine, oh, the parents should pay this much. So are they going to put the parents' loans also in this gravy train, which is a financial absolute fiasco? I I think they are, Uh, and what you're talking about is the uh, EFC, that's the Expected Family Contribution. It's a goofy formula that they came up with, uh, as you're pointing out, to see how much financial aid somebody qualifies for and how many loans they qualify for. When they say $10,000 of student debt forgiveness for uh, anyone uh, making less than $125,000, I think they have to mean the parents because how many students graduate within the uh, you know first six months of their student loan payments becoming due because that's you know you start paying six months after graduation. How many people are walking into one hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year or more job? Very 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 few, obviously. So I I think that one hundred twenty five thousand probably does also go to the parent who co signed uh, on those loans for those for their students. You still there, Sally? Yes, yes. Well, even though, like, the FAFSA isn't always that fair, uh, our oldest daughter had moved out and was not no longer a dependent, and they still required her to fill out a FAFSA uh, assessing the parents. So the, I, I agree with um, the caller that said uh, they ought to look at the overpricing of, of colleges. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. The 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 inflation rate, like I said, for college tuitions. I mean, honestly, it was my 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 wife. She always tells the story. My wife went to Kent State back in eighty four. She graduated, so uh, she's going to kill me for dating her here. But she went. The cost of uh, the cost of a state university at that time was like around thirty five hundred dollars. And and now it's you know it's you know twenty eight thousand dollars. There is nothing else that has raised wow. that has increased that much at that rate over the course of the last thirty years. Nothing uh, uh, like college tuitions, and there is no justification for it whatsoever. The the, the degree is of no more value today, today than it was then. Uh, I doubt very seriously that the costs to run the facilities and pay the professors has gone up that much as well. Uh, but it is abject greed. And again, these colleges are making money hand over fist, largely through these student loan programs because they get paid no matter what. Uh, that's why they're called GSLs, guaranteed student loans, or they were for years. Um, and the colleges make out like bandits and they don't have to pay a nickel of it back. And that's, uh, that's the problem. What was the second thing you had, Sally? Oh, that was, that was really what it was. Okay, got got it. Great points uh, uh, all the way around. Thank you, Sally. I appreciate the phone call. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'll, say, uh, we'll go to uh, Cleveland here. Julie on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Julie. Bob, how ahead. are you? I'm fine, um, Do you remember within the past year when uh, the Biden administration came out and they said anyone with a disability would be able to have their student loans um, 
paid off. Well, I have a son. He uh, is 26, and he was diagnosed with autism. And, of course, all through his life, we pretty much had to struggle and had some family help with some therapy because our Democratic representatives in this state, their answer is go on welfare. And if you have a savings account, you can't do that. But um, he put, you know, with the help of his aunt, my sister did give him $15,000 in the beginning. We helped pay books. But other than that, the kid had to take out student loans. And I will tell you, he just celebrated his birthday. Three years ago, he bought a 2017 car. Six months ago, that car is paid off. He's down to 5500 on his school loans, and he's got money in the bank, and he's looking to buy a home. Now, he lives at home, but the deal is you do the yard work, he paints the house, he takes care of the animals, he does work inside, and build up your bank account. But what kills me is he called. He called the feds, and he goes, well, I'm, I'm diagnosed, I got paperwork to show I have autism. And the woman goes, well, are you working out of the home? And he said, yeah, I work two days a week. The other three, I go into the office. And she says, well, you don't qualify. You have to be totally disabled and at home for us to pay off that loan. So they, would, they wouldn't help him. The good news is the kid started in a low-paying job, recently got a job with the state, and he's making a dollar less an hour than his father does, who's been working for 20 years. Wow. So that's where I want my kid to be, a good job, good pay, and good benefits. But this is the BS. They're not helping people out here that struggle, you know, and it just it just makes me mad when I hear this. I mean, I can't even say what I think on the air because well, the feds would be at my door. No, I, I get it, Julie. <laughs> and uh, first of all, congratulations to your son for doing things, like you said, that he has to do, and he has got a good job, and he's making good money, and, and all of the things you just described. But as far if, as, far as the federal government... You know, they, this is what they do. They pick winners and losers, and it's almost arbitrary. It's why so many, and thank you for the call, it's why so many of us are concerned about the, um, uh, you know, the 87,000 new IRS agents, because they're not going to go impartially through. They're going to pick winners and losers. They're going to pick people they want to target for audits. They're going to pick people that are going to be in the clear. And yes, they are going to have absolute, uh, um, unfettered access to the inside of your life. They're going to be able to monitor you. They're going to look at your socials. They're going to look at everything that they can. And people that they don't like or who have views that they don't like are going to be targeted. Well, that's what the federal government does. And they did it to your son. Oh, well, that's not disabled enough. We need him to not be able to go into the office three days a week. We need to make sure that he is so much just completely incapacitated. If he is, uh, then maybe we'll think about giving you some money. It is just wrong uh the arbitrary nature of how they decide who gets the money and who doesn't is um, uh you know in my estimation completely illegal but it's certainly unethical and immoral if nothing else so uh, i appreciate the phone call and the perspective more on student loan debt forgiveness which is coming today according to virtually everybody in washington uh 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 and again I really seriously uh, want somebody, I want to know if somebody is going to tell Joe what Nancy said last year. Nancy said, you can't do it, Joe. Don't go make an announcement you can't follow through on because you are not allowed to do this. I want to hear uh, from you on that as well. Always Right Radio, right back.
So, Joe, before you make the announcement today, I would love for that phone call to happen. <laughs> with, with No, you know what? I'd rather not. I'd rather, you know, Nancy not tell him ahead of time and avoid uh, uh, him making a complete jackass out of himself. Uh, I would rather have somebody, like I said, at the, in the, in the uh, White House press corps. Somebody have this audio ready to go. Cue it up on your phone. You know what? Here, make it easy. Any White House press corps members, uh, go to my Truth Social account. Follow me there at Always Right, WHK. Always Right, WHK. I posted this on my Truth Social account. All you got to do is pick it up, cue it up, hold it in front of a microphone, and push this button. People think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. It has to be an act of Congress. So there's the illegality part of it, and then there's also the fundamental fairness part of it. It's not fair to the welders, the carpenters, the hairdressers, the people who chose to not go to college or who couldn't afford to go or to stay into college. It's not fair for them. It's also not fair to the people who have paid off their student loans because they've made personal financial sacrifices to allow them to do that. It also is a complete farce that they already passed something misnamed as the Inflation Reduction Act and turn around and are going to make inflation worse. Economists, Obama economist Larry Summers and others are making this point, Sean, that you're going to make education more expensive by letting these colleges know that, oh, gee, every student basically has an extra $10,000. Let's just tack it on from the beginning. But in addition to that, we are, we are making things more expensive because they continue to spend money that we don't have on things that we don't need. That's uh, Kellyanne Conway, former advisor to President Trump. She's exactly right, talking about the uh, uh, the un- unfairness uh, aspect of this. It's fundamentally unfair, and it's uh, it's robbery. It's robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's robbing people who did things the right way, either who paid off their debts or never took those debts in the first place, and making them pay through higher taxes, pay back for people who took those loans out. Hey, I want to make you aware of something for tonight. I told you I had a few different things to promote. <clears throat> Tonight, uh, we return to our monthly uh, webinar series for Citizens for Free Speech. You know that I am the National Communications Director for CFFS. It's such an important organization to me, and it ought to be an important organization to you as well. If you value free speech and liberty in this country, we are fighting for it like no one else. And our monthly series took a little bit of a break in the uh, two summer months of June and July, but we're back now. And tonight at 730 our webinar presenter is going to be Neil McCabe. I would introduce Neil McCabe as the uh, phenomenal reporter for the Ohio Star and the Star News Network, but he's much more than that now. Neil is also now a reporter for One America News Network. He is actually now relocated to Florida and is working for OAN on a national scale. And he is going to present for us tonight uh, as a national political correspondent for One America News. Uh, so he's in Tallahassee. He spent a ton of time in uh, in Ohio, particularly in Columbus. He knows the ins and outs of everything that's going on with respect to our First Amendment rights. So while uh, he was the national political editor at the Star News Network, he did extensive reporting on unconstitutional COVID-19 policies forced upon you and me by Mike DeWine and Amy Acton since the beginning of the pandemic. He is an outspoken critic of personal... <clears throat> Uh, of the uh, robbing of our personal medical liberties. Uh, he opposes vaccine and mask mandates that have harmed millions of Ohioans and stripped them of our constitutional rights. And he is opposed to the canceling of our voices, 
on social media when we criticize those things. So Neil will present tonight at 7.30 p.m. I will be on board with him. And if you want to uh, participate in that webinar, we would love to have you. All you have to do is go to citizensforfreespeech.org, citizensforfreespeech.org. Click on Calendar at the top of the page. It's a drop-down menu. Click on Calendar, and then you will see a little bit uh, about a third of the way down the page the link to Citizens for Free Speech Ohio August webinar with Neil McCabe. And click the RSVP to that event, and you will be given a link to watch that webinar and participate in it. Neil will not only present, he will also do 30 minutes of Q&A at the end, as will I, at the end of that webinar. So it will be a 90-minute event from 7.30 to 9 p.m. I hope you will be a part of it. Go to citizensforfreespeech.org. Click the calendar link at the top of the page and just scroll on down to the CFFS Ohio August webinar with Neil McCabe. And I hope to see you there tonight. All right. Uh, take a time out now for news. And on the other side, we're going to talk to Bob Anthony about another event that is coming up this weekend that I think is very important. Uh, it'll be very important to you and to all of us with the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy's fundraiser. We'll tell you about that next day on 1420 The Answer. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1039 now, always right radio indeed. Thanks for being with us. We're going to stay on the school subject for just a moment here. Not the, the student loan forgiveness part of this, though. Uh, but, but we do have to talk more about schools. School is now back in session for pretty much everybody. There might be still a school district or two that doesn't start until next week or around Labor Day, but uh, used to just always start after Labor Day when I was a kid. But uh, most of them are back in session now, and this, of course, is, uh, makes this a, a perfect time to talk about this. Wouldn't it be nice if you knew you were dropping your kids off every day? And the things that they learn would be math, science, English, language arts, grammar, composition, philosophy, foreign languages, geography, art, music. Wouldn't it be nice history if all of those things were taught instead of race, gender, sexual identification, made-up pronouns, identification theory, social-emotional learning? Wouldn't it be better to, to drop your kids off knowing you were, they were going to learn the first group of things rather than the latter? Because, unfortunately, in most schools, um, they're facing the latter. They're facing those things the minute they walk in. Teachers are announcing it. They're on TikTok all over the place telling students what to expect when they get there and telling parents, daring them, what are you going to do about it? Fortunately, a lot of people are doing something about it, and they are finding alternatives to those schools. We're talking about charter schools, and we're going to talk now about uh, free charter schools. That's right, free charter schools, tuition-free, independent of a school district, authorized by a state-approved sponsor. And specifically, we're going to talk about the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy, a classical charter public school education for K-12 through students, which are being built and developed right now. And joining us is one of the uh, driving forces behind this, our friend Bob Anthony. Uh, Bob, I know you're on the road on the way back from Michigan. I'm assuming from Hillsdale, yes? From close to Hillsdale, Bob, and thanks for having me. 
Good to have you. Uh, class has started this morning for Hillsdale College. I know because my daughter uh, sent me a pic of her on her way to her first class, which was kind of fun. Uh, and you and I have spoken, Bob Anthony, about uh, the Barney schools, the Barney Charter Schools uh, through Hillsdale College and uh, the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy. Uh, such a great event coming up on Saturday that we want to tell people about a family picnic fundraiser. But before we do that, Bob, tell us a little bit more about the uh, Northeast Ohio Classical Academy and what people can expect when this gets off the ground. So, Bob, the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy is an attempt in Northeast Ohio, like is happening actually around the country, to restore classical education to the students K through 12 in our uh, in our local marketplace. Did a great job of an overview of, of what that entails. It's pretty much, as I describe it to people, a three-legged stool with the curriculum that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. as being one of the three legs. Second leg is is a moral and ethical responsibility that all of us have if we're going to be a good citizen. And most importantly, the third leg of the stool is civic responsibility. So those three things come together to form what is what is called an American classical education. We're in the process of bringing one of these Barney Charter schools through Hillsdale College to Northeast Ohio, and we hope to open uh, the school in September of 2024. So we have a we have a couple years to go, but we're fast at work and hard at work to uh, to develop that school. And really appreciate your help and all that you do in this regard. And looking forward to to the picnic this Saturday. Well, I want to do more, and obviously uh, I intend to do more, but for now, let's do that. Let's send people to the picnic fundraiser on Saturday. This is such a great way, just in a fun, family-friendly environment, to have a great time talking to other like-minded parents and, and citizens and people and maybe kids um, while raising money for this project to get this uh, first uh, uh, school off the ground and indeed uh, have students admitted in September of 2024. So it's going to happen on Saturday, and it's going to happen in Medina. I'll let you give us the rest. So it's going to happen from 1 to 6 uh, this coming Saturday at the Medina Community Church, which is just off the square in Medina. We anticipate a, a traditional, good old-fashioned American picnic with hamburgers, hot dogs, sides, all the fixings, and, of course, uh, games for the kids. And, of course, since we're an education-oriented uh, group, there'll be some education uh, materials for the parents that more fully describe what an American classical education is, and hopefully we can have uh, a good time and also learn something. So we look forward to seeing everyone uh, uh, this Saturday to RSVP, you can go to our website, which is neocacademy.org, or you can also email us at info at neocacademy.org, or you can call 330-571-0574. So we would like to have some sort of an RSVP if you're planning on attending, just so the cooks know how many burgers to flip. That's right. And uh, and just to let everybody know, obviously, while this is certainly for fun and for, uh, you know, for um, uh, education and for companionship, camaraderie and so forth, it is a fundraiser. So uh, the tickets are two dollars or excuse me, two adults, 14 years of age and older for sixty dollars, a family four pack of tickets for two adults and two kids, seventy five dollars. You can also purchase individual tickets for an adult and a child as well. So you're going to get the great meal. You're going to get all the fun and fixings of, uh, of a like 
like you said, a family picnic, but also the camaraderie, also the opportunity to uh, kind of, um, you know, strategize and talk with and uh, support others who are like-minded and who know how important these types of schools are. Bob, when I introduced it, I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, that these kinds of charter schools, the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy that you're developing, would be tuition-free. Um, certainly, funds have to come from more than just a family picnic. This is a part of it, obviously, but where do the funds come from? How can this classical education be offered starting in September of 24 uh, tuition-free? The, the fundraising uh, activities are, are many and varied. They're going to really start now and go for the next uh, couple of years. We really have to get the school open, which means the building, the teachers have to be hired, the books have to be purchased, et cetera, before the state actually comes in once the school is open, and then we'll, we'll basically fund the state, fund the, fund the school on a per student basis, uh, from that point on. But between now and then, we have a long road ahead of us. So in addition to fundraisers like this, we're also looking to uh, raise some significant funds from other sources. Some grants are available when we get a little further developed, more developed. But at the end of the day, at this point, the grassroots efforts from like-minded individuals that that want a solid classical education for their children and grandchildren is the first step in that process. So uh, hopefully that... Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just wanted to let people know there is on the same web page where you can uh, RSVP for the picnic, which is at the uh, NEOCacademy.org uh, website. There's a donate button in the uh, top uh, top menu, and uh, you get, it'll drop down there and tell you what you can do and how you can donate to this cause. It is extraordinarily important, and those who have the means. Um, I really hope they would consider this as, um, you know, as worthy of their donations. And, you know, I know you're not a political organization at all, Bob, uh, the NEOCA, but um, how important is it to elect people uh, in the state of Ohio that are supportive of school choice so that, uh, you know, the dollars that are committed by, uh, you know, by the taxpayers to public education for their kids, you know, the kids don't have to be stuck in a place where maybe the type of education they're receiving is not the best for them in the eyes of right. the parents, that those dollars should follow the kids. That aspect, while you're not political, is important, isn't it? It's extremely important, and uh, we appreciate all the work you're doing in that regard. We have a number of uh, folks attached to our cause right now that we hope we'll be able to help with that. But it's extremely important for the dollars to follow the child. At the end of the day, this is a very solid option that parents now have in addition to private schools or, or homeschooling, both of which, as you know, are extremely uh, accelerating right now. This is another option parents have. That's right. We think it's a good one. So uh, hopefully people can uh, come and learn more and uh, enjoy themselves. And again, we appreciate all your help in this regard, Bob, very much. Well, I am going to do my level best to be there myself. I don't know exactly what time on Saturday, but I'm glad you do have a five-hour window there. So a lot of people are going to come and go over the course of five hours. It's at the Medina Community Church near the square, uh, 416 South Broadway in Medina, to be precise. You can RSVP and get your tickets online, as Bob said, NEOC Academy, NEOC for Northeast Ohio Classical academy.org and if you do the backslash picnic there you will find uh, the uh, picnic fundraiser information there so I hope to see people there on Saturday Bob thank you for coming on and thank you for the work that you're doing this is so extraordinarily important so many people think that you know the answer to the public school dilemma of woke public schools teaching or rather indoctrinating instead of teaching 
and they think the answer is private schools, even Catholic schools or, or other religious-affiliated schools. But sadly, far too many of them have gone, quote-unquote, woke as well. They have, they, have, they have lost their way and their commitment to educating, uh, and they have found themselves indoctrinating and found themselves politicizing uh, from, their, from their pulpits, if you will. And uh, that's a problem. That's why... You know, classical education charter schools like this one, the time has come. and This is this is more than overdue, isn't it? It certainly is. And, uh, again, we hope to see everybody on Saturday. And uh, looking forward to everyone having a great day for the rest of the day. We are indeed looking forward to it. Bob, Anthony, thank you so much. I appreciate what you're doing and hope to see you on Saturday. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's Bob Anthony. He's uh, pulled over to the side of the road to talk to us because he's smart, unlike the rest of us who go on uh, cell phones and call radio shows while driving and get distracted. <laughs> and I mean that. I, uh, I'm guilty as charged. But Bob pulled over for us so that he could talk to us uh, about this important event. So if you're looking for info there, uh, you'll find it at neocacademy.org. It's 1050. Got time for calls. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. On the other side of this, by the way, I'm going to share with you, if your kid is going into a public school uh, right now and, you know, school just started or maybe they're there right now or maybe they start next week, um, I've got some tips for you. If you can't change your kid's school right now because of the financial aspects or whatever, there are five tips that I have for you that you can do for them as they head into those public woke schools uh, next. I'll share that with you coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1054, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. We've got um, we've got the link in case you can't remember Northeast Ohio Classical Academy or NEOCacademy.org. I've got the link to the uh, picnic page for the uh, uh, organization on alwaysright.us. It's up right now at alwaysright.us so that you can click it for easy access. You'll have all the details on how to get your tickets and how to support that very important cause. So since we're talking about schools, I've been wanting to share this. I was hoping to get the author of the piece on from The Federalist. But um, since uh, time is of the essence here, if you can't change your kid's school, if you can't pull them from their woke public schools in which they're being taught by blue and pink-haired freaks with nose rings and and uh, uh, rainbow flags and, uh, and, and, and all kinds of other garbage all over their classrooms, uh, and there's one. I don't know if I have time to get into it. I won't. Um, but if you've seen a lot of these teachers online kind of promoting their wokeism, and this is what they're doing to their students. And if parents complain, what are parents? Say it together now. Domestic terrorists. How dare you challenge these woke teachers' right to indoctrinate and over-sexualize your children, you terrorist you. If you can't get them out of there, here's some advice, some things that you can do. Um, to help your kids through the experience that they're about to have in their public education. Number one, examine emergency forms. Closely review all standard medical treatment and consent forms that they give you at the beginning of the year. Make sure you're not blindly granting permission for your school officials to administer medical guidance and or procedures without your permission. A rising number of school districts are now endorsing pronoun changes and suggesting medical intervention procedures without parental consent in the name of creating a welcoming and safe environment for students. 
So what they might do is slip a line in saying, you give your permission for these things in your uh, uh, start-of-the-school-year emergency forms. Do not sign anything without reading it very, very closely for that language. Two, opt your child out of SEL, sex ed, and DEI, social-emotional learning, gender non-conforming initiatives, and culturally responsive and restorative diversity, equity, and inclusion programs are proven code language for victim versus oppressor education and activism. Keep a Hawkeye out for homework, worksheets, online lessons, and digital surveys created by outside agencies. The trend of inserting these into our schools is not for the purposes of achieving academic goals. Send written notification to your district and your school to opt your child out of any campus program that delivers these divisive lessons and these invasive surveys to your children. And find a few other parents to join you so that your child is not alone. Three, file a FOIA request now. Parents have a right to know what's going on in their kids' classrooms, and if warranted, in communication between teachers and administrators. FOIA, of course, is the Freedom of Information Act, and you, we, have a right to utilize it to access emails, curriculum details, paper trails, so that we can be fully informed about what's going on behind classroom doors. Very important. Four, volunteer in your child's classroom and library. Parents have been kept out of our taxpayer-funded schools for years. It's our fundamental right to investigate what books were purged and or updated over the summer in the name of equity and gender education. When the volunteer sign-up sheets are distributed at the first school meeting, check the box for classroom and library volunteers. Also, be sure to join the PTA if there is one, and respectfully question activities and initiatives that tout these inclusion, but actually exclusive and dividing activities rooted in political narratives. And number five, don't waste driving time. Would I rather listen to music than tackle conversations about our democratic republic while chauffeuring my kids to school and uh, school and activities? Yes, but this is where we are now, whether we like it or not. Use your drive time when you're taking your kids to and from school and all of their activities and practices and rehearsals and so on and so forth to dig deep. What was in your lessons today? What was discussed? Did they talk about any of these issues? Did they try to convince you? Did they tell you anything today that they said? Don't tell mom and dad. This is what this is just for school. Find out from your kids they are your eyewitnesses. Commend them and all other students who are telling their par- the parents the truth about what is going on. Tell them that there is safety in truth, not fear. Let them know so that you, the parent, can indeed intervene when and if necessary. So those are five very important tips that I think every parent who's got a kid going to a public school this month or this week or whenever they're there, they're going to be hit with a lot of these things at the start of the year. If you can't get them out of these public schools, well, then you better be aware and have them, and you need to be aware, you need to have them aware of exactly what their rights and their alternatives and options are. That article is also posted on the webpage at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. So check it out there. And, uh, and and spread it around. Make good use of it if you would, please. It's 11 o'clock in time for news. On the other side, Jack Windsor will join me on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer.
You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. I gotta tell you, that fires me up every single time I hear it. Welcome. Hour number three is underway now on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to Bob Anthony joining us last uh, half hour. And now it is a fun time of the week because it is Jack Windsor time of the week. Wednesdays at 1110 is our standard benchmark time for our good friend who is the founder of the Ohio Press Network and is also our statehouse correspondent here for AM 1420, The Answer, WHK. Jack Windsor, welcome back to the program, my friend. Do you pay those folks? I mean, that's uh, that's an amazing ovation. You you get every you bring them with you, don't you? I do, man. I pay them. I bring them with me. I'm <laughs> I'm uh, running for office, baby. As a Democrat, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pay for the vote. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, opinion out of the gate. My bad. <laughs> oh, Jack, good to have you as always. All right, there are guys running for office. You're not one of them. Although you probably could be, uh, your popularity does indeed speak for itself. Uh, but uh, one guy who is, is uh, J.D. Vance. And Jack, I want to start there because um, I don't know that I expected this. Um, after $6 million-ish, I think, was was spent by Tim Ryan in this Senate race um, right after starting, literally a TV campaign started, right after the, the May 3rd uh, primary um, yeah. Tim Ryan started spending a bunch of money, J.D. Vance, and I was one of them. I was critical of J.D. Vance mm-hmm. kind of laying low for a good part of the summer and not really engaging in this uh, in this race at that particular point in time, certainly not publicly on television. He might have been doing some things behind the scenes. He might have been seeing some small groups in various locations that didn't draw any press. Um, but a lot of us said, man, Tim Ryan is motivated, and he is spending, mm-hmm. and he's out there, and he's steamrolling J.D. Vance in this summer-long race for the Senate. Well, lo and behold, you reported uh, for the Ohio Press Network that that is not necessarily the case when you uh, when you got an independent poll to tell us about. Yes. So the independent poll came from the Trafalgar Group. We uh, broke it Monday, and it shows Vance by 4.6% over Ryan uh, the Senate. And the pollster noted, I thought this was one of the most meaningful uh, bits of commentary that he delivered to us. He said, Ryan isn't ahead. He isn't even within the poll's margin of error after vastly outspending Vance. He said, Ryan threw the kitchen sink at Vance, and Vance is still up 4.6. He said, if I were J.D. Vance, I would feel pretty good about that. Now, to your point, there were a lot of people who were looking at two things. One, Tim Ryan spent about $6 million 
he would seem to be on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. And so that has an effect. Secondly, there were a boatload of polls that came out. And several of those polls showed Tim Ryan up by six, Tim Ryan up by 11. And that was one of the other questions I asked of the pollster at Trafalgar, Robert Cahaley. I said, you know, Robert, a lot of these polls are really intended to influence. They're not intended to educate and show voters where uh, the voting public is right now with their sentiment in the moment. Do you think that voters understand the difference between a poll sponsored by the Democratic Party and an independent poll? And he said, you know, I'd like to think that's the case, but it's really not the case. So I think a lot of people were surprised that J.D. Vance is up by 4.6. I will say this as well. Uh, that report showed that 5.6% of people are undecided. So I would expect that out of the lion's share of that, J.D. Vance will probably get more of that 5.6% than Tim Ryan based on the momentum and movement of the race. And not just the momentum and movement of the race but based upon the very contentious Republican primary. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, you know this, and so do I, and a lot of we've talked about this in other races, too. Um, there are a lot of people who are Mandel supporters who were livid that J.D. Vance got the Trump endorsement and ended up winning this thing. There were people who supported Gibbons and even people who supported Dolan, and who knows, maybe even a few people who supported Jane Timken who looked at this and said, man, this guy doesn't deserve that. And their supporter, those supporters are, are saying, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to vote. I won't vote for yep. Ryan, but I sure won't, for, won't vote for Vance. I'll stay home. And inevitably, as we get closer and closer to an election, those hard feelings start to soften. Those uh, you know, yep. feelings of loyalty toward their primary candidate start to soften a little bit. And you start to realize, yeah, we can't let Tim Ryan have the seat. I'm going to go out and vote. And I think the overwhelming majority of those quote-unquote undecideds are probably in that Republican mindset. I would agree with you, and I think um, the pollster at Trafalgar would agree with you. He actually mentioned it when discussing the John Fetterman versus Dr. Oz Senate race in Pennsylvania. He first mentioned it on Hannity last week and then echoed it to me. He said, I investigate the crosstabs that are published with these surveys, and he said, I see in those crosstabs people who are saying they're undecided. They're also the people who are saying they're opposed to Biden. And he said a candidate paired with Biden is like having termites in your house. You may not see them now, but eventually they become the number one issue. Now, Fetterman is Biden endorsed in Pennsylvania. And you and I both know that in Ohio, Tim Ryan is running as far and as fast from Joe Biden uh, whenever he's mentioned or in the state. You know, what's interesting uh, about I don't want to forget the part about remind me to come back to Fetterman in a moment. Um, what's interesting about that part, what you just said about um, Ryan running and literally because uh, I saw a segment on this. Uh, I think it was on Tucker yesterday. It might have been a different show, but um, they were talking about Biden and his impact on Democrat races. And uh, and, and the, the the subject of the of the segment was those who don't want him around. And they quoted Ryan's campaign as saying we have not asked for. Uh, uh, you know, uh, either President Biden or Vice President Harris to come and campaign in Ohio, and we have no plans to do so. That is an, just an outright rejection of the president and the vice president, who happen to be of his party. Meantime, J.D. Vance is coasting around, not only with the Trump endorsement, 
But Trump's number one rival, if there is one, in the, in a potential Republican primary, the yep. uber-popular Ron DeSantis was in Youngstown this week campaigning for him. So he's got yep. Ron DeSantis, whose who's star power and his Q rating among conservatives is through the roof. He's got him in town mm-hmm. working for him, and he's already got the uh, Trump endorsement in tow. Yes, there's a lot there. And uh, I think the key point is... Uh, that Tim Ryan doesn't want to be associated with Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. And it really speaks to, I think, uh, J.D. Vance's insight. Now, it's easy to take Vance's insight and go, well, of course he's going to say this. But it, it seems to have some credence. He said, look, Tim Ryan has to spend that much money. He has to be on TV all the time because he needs to rebrand himself. Here's a guy who's voted with Joe Biden 100% of the time. He was anti-police. He was anti-American energy. So he has to repackage himself. And the idea that he doesn't want to be with the president seems to give that uh, statement by J.D. Vance uh, a, a true ring. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll stop there because there are a couple other points I want to I share with you. But um, touche, I, I think J.D. Vance uh, campaigning with Ron DeSantis is another feather in his cap. And when you really look at the race, 538, which is left-leaning, they run all of these simulations, and they've calculated that 80 out of 100 simulations, uh, J.D. Vance wins. 80% of those outcomes reporting a 10-point margin of victory or higher for J.D. Vance. So um, I think that lead will uh, it'll get larger. The one thing I think the Vance campaign has to keep his eyes on and why I think it's important he's campaigning with Ron DeSantis and <laughs> keeping Trump out front is that voter turnout will uh, determine. You know, in a presidential year, a lot of people get out and vote, and that's how you get an eight-point bar- margin of victory for Trump in Ohio. But in midterms, people don't always turn out. So that eight points might be four points or six points. Uh, so turnout's going to be critical in that race. You know, I read um, a tweet from uh, a commentator, and I can't remember who it was, or else I would give attribution, but it was an interesting one. And that is, I think people, I'm paraphrasing it, I think people are underestimating exactly how much the left loves to kill babies. I'm slightly worried about November. And the inference there being the overturn of Roe. Uh, is a huge, huge motivator for a lot of leftists who may or may not have turned out in this midterms. But now that that has happened, um, they're more, yeah. more motivated than ever to vote, vote out as many Republicans as possible and try to change the court. And then obviously at the state level, here in Ohio, a lot of state races uh, to you know to vote out as many Republicans who supported the heartbeat bill and thus the now the heartbeat law uh, so that they can open up abortions in Ohio again. Yeah, and you know, shame on the press for not being forthcoming with Ohioans and with Americans on that matter. I can't tell you how many times I've had to retweet at national figures and state figures over the past week saying, hold the phone. Um, You wanted democracy. You wanted local control. What the Supreme Court did was not outlaw abortion. What the Supreme Court did was they gave states the right to decide. And that's what you want. All we've heard for the past six years is that we're killing our democracy, but faced with the spoils of democracy, uh, now members of the press and, and key people in positions of power are saying that abortion is illegal. Abortion is not illegal. In Ohio, it's not illegal. You have, until there's a heartbeat, that there are plenty of uh, accommodations for rape, for um, 
significant health uh, impact to the mother, whether it be death or some you know major health issue. So the press really has to come clean here and start saying, hey, this is what's really going on. Um, but of course, we can't really bank on that. I want to come back to Fetterman and Oz because obviously, you know, what we're talking about here, control of the of the Congress, both the House and the Senate in November is up for grabs here. We have to look outside of Ohio, too. So this is one of the extraordinarily important races. Um, I'm still very disappointed that President Trump endorsed Dr. Oz. I don't believe he is a true conservative. I do believe McCormick would have been a better choice. But here we sit. It's Dr. Oz or it's Fetterman. And I don't know if you saw the recent uh, stump appearances uh, that he has made, um, but it is painful to watch. Uh, we all know that Fetterman suffered a stroke, uh, and you know his 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 recovery from that. I don't know how to describe it. If it's up in the air, if it's you know um, still improving, or what it's got and what he's got in front of him. I just don't know. But what I do know is when you listen to him speak, and Jack, I'm going to ask you to listen to a, to a few seconds of this, it's very clear that there is an impairment here, whether it's his fault or not. And we can go back and talk about his qualifications to be a senator anyway, about what he's done in his career and his life and what he hasn't, and he's almost been you know, utterly useless in his career before this. But from the standpoint of his capabilities of making an argument, participating in decisions that have to be made in the United States Senate, the, those all have to be called into question when you listen to the way he is able to speak and, and, and his brain function. I'm honored to be standing in the shadow of your, immers- your amazing building. Do you think of the ten homes Dr. Oz have has a union hall across their home? If you say you think the word of steel worker, what words come to your mind if you say steel workers? Of all the words that bring to your mind when you hear the word steel workers, does the word crudite come to your mind? That's not a word that's going to come to my mind. Crudite is wrong with demanding for. An easy, safe kind of their income. And this is one simple and one simple truth. If you send me to Washington, D.C., and there's going to be choices in front of me as the next senator, and it's going to be, it's going to be what? Are you going to stand with the union way of life, or are you going to stand with trying to destroy the way of life. All right, now that was a supercut of some of his um, his his remarks, um, and a lot of the long dramatic pauses were actually cut out of it, which I think it does a disservice to it. Essentially, Jack Windsor, he sounds like Joe Biden at the podium. He's of course much much younger than Joe Biden, but he has stuff suffered a brain injury in the form of a stroke. Um, he cannot think clearly. He repeats himself. He he doesn't necessarily understand the concept of what he is speaking of, and it's it's been very evident. A lot of people have pointed it out on on television. So I guess my question is, do you think that the people of Pennsylvania who are undecided will feel sorry for him because of his condition and say, you know, it's not his fault, so I'm going to vote for him, or are they going to say, you know, I agree with him more, I don't like Oz, 
but this guy can't contribute to you know uh, to governing the country this guy is is for whatever reason because of his medical condition he is not somebody that can really participate in the leadership of this country in the United States Senate we can't send a victim like that to 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 the United States Senate a stroke victim who cannot think clearly um all things being equal and all thoughts about what really happened in 2020 with the election. All of that aside, pretending that everything was counted, everything was fair, and there was no manipulation, my visceral response is, well, we sent a man to Washington that was doing the same thing the entirety of his campaign. I'm not certain that people uh, will look at that and say, that's a problem. You know, I hate to use the example, but um, if Lee Corso's on College Football Saturday, it's, you, I remember when he came back, it was like, wow, I'm pulling for him. And it was hard, it was hard to listen to him. It was it hard was. to watch him. You, I remember Your that. heart ached, but you were like, man, I'm just so glad he's back, right? I mean, it really, he, if he could say a few things and, and put on, you know, the Brutus uh, head or whatever team he was picking, you felt good. Okay, this isn't college football Saturday. This is, um, you're, you're running to be a, one of the most powerful people on the planet, you're running for U.S. Senate, and uh, by the way, your backstop uh, as a president and as a vice president are people who can't communicate either. So um, I would hope that that's the case, but diving into that Trafalgar poll with Fetterman and Oz, I think I think there are a couple of keys to it. Um, number one, I think Republicans have to connect the dots uh, for voters and show them, and, and by the way, this might be something else you want to talk about this uh because I think the cancellation of student debt kind of goes along the same way. But um, when the federal government spends money, that's not good for inflationary pressure. And I think sometimes Republicans assume that voters think that and, and know that. They don't. So I think in that race, they have to really connect the dots. Fetterman uh, has a ton of strong support among seniors as well. And uh, if the uh, GOP in Pennsylvania can pull out uh, the trick that uh, was pulled out in Virginia and their gubernatorial race and get parents of school-aged kids fired up about what's going on in their schools and get them out to vote in the midterms, I think that would um, cancel out some of the strong support that Fetterman has, uh, you know, among among the aged population. And that might be um, in addition to, so you throw on top of it, is he competent? I think those three things, if I were running a race, those would be three points that I would I would run on and I would focus on down the stretch for sure. Jack Windsor is the editor of the, and founder of the Ohio Press Network. He's also our State House correspondent. Hey, Jack, we didn't get to uh, a couple of Ohio issues, and also you mentioned student loan debt forgiveness, which is coming today. Uh, we expect it anyway. Could, would you mind hanging up right now and then calling me right back after the news so we can ask you about those items before we're done? Yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate it. I didn't mean to keep you this long, but uh, so much of this is is very important conversation, and I would love to get your perspective on those issues as well. Uh, So we'll hold up uh, uh, right now. We'll take a quick time out for news. We'll come back with Jack Windsor after this on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Next thing I knew, they ripped me from my bed, and then they took my blood type. It left a strange impression in my head. Yes, we've got like uh, about six minutes left here with Jack Windsor before I hand it off to Bill O'Reilly to take you to the top of the hour and Charlie Kirk, followed by Dennis Prager on always or on AM 1420, The Answer, rather. Uh, Jack Windsor, the um, founder of the uh, Ohio Press Network, we, we referenced briefly the um, 
uh, May 3rd primary, and of course that's when we had the gubernatorial primary, and there were a lot of legal problems that were starting to show up from an election standpoint for Joe Blystone right before the election. You and your team at the Ohio Press Network have done a terrific job of following up on this, and you've got an article that we're in this week. 13 potential election law violations by Blystone have been referred by the Secretary of State to the Elections Commission. And Jack, you actually had a little bit of a back and forth with Joe Blystone about this on social media. Can you tell us about that story? Yes, yeah, so I'll start with the social media back and forth. It was unfortunate to me. I reached out to uh, former candidate Blystone and uh, his legal counsel and asked for comment uh, on the story and wanted to ask some targeted and specific questions and, of course, give them a chance to respond. And they uh, they didn't do that. Uh, his attorney was kind, didn't want to go on the record. Joe didn't return any messages until I posted the story on social media. And then his response was, well, it must be a slow news day. Um, well, here's the deal. It appears that uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose uh, uncovered what he claims to be 13 election law violations centered around four election laws. And my conversation with the Ohio Election Commission, uh, that's to whom the uh, referrals were made from Secretary of State LaRose's office, when I talked to uh, their lead counsel and their executive director, he told me that the Secretary of State's filing really gives credence to two other filings that uh, are still before the Ohio Elections Commission from Mary Capella uh, a voter in, I believe, Butler County, as well as Joe Blystone's former campaign co-manager, Sarah Chambers. And he said, these uh, referrals from the secretary echo those, and we're going to look at these in early September. I would anticipate that we might consolidate all of these cases and then move from there. Now, they have a couple of choices, Bob. They can dismiss all the cases for lack of evidence, which I think is not going to happen. Uh, they can host a a series of hearings on the consolidated cases, or the parties can come into an agreement if Joe Blystone wants to pay a fine. Uh, It appears to me that he would have to close down that campaign committee, and all the correspondence between uh, the, the attorneys that I've read indicate that he's not interested in doing that. So the other option is they could refer this over to a Franklin County prosecutor for further investigation and, of course, potentially uh, prosecution. So the hat is not in the clear anytime soon, uh, and he's got a lot of very serious questions to answer, even if you want to answer yours. And, Jack, the last thing I wanted to ask you, this just crossed my phone. Uh, Biden has made it official. He has announced the student loan handout, even as national debts soar, the national debt soars. Uh, he will cancel $10,000 of federal student loan debt for certain borrowers making less than $125,000 a year and up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. He said in a tweet... Uh, in keeping with my campaign promise, my administration is announcing a plan to give working and middle-class families breathing room as they prepare to resume federal student loan payments in January of 2023. So he has pushed that back, that date again, mm-hmm. the pause on student loan payments to January of 23. Mm-hmm. And, Jack, a Penn Wharton budget model, one-time yep. maximum debt forgiveness of $10,000 for these borrowers will cost American taxpayers, you and me and everybody listening to us right now, around $300 billion. That's relief for middle-class taxpayers? Well, the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget Analysis says that the plan will actually undermine, undermine the recently enacted Inflation Reduction Act. By the way, if that were going to 
<laughs> decrease uh, inflation anyway, but I'm digressing here. Um, but it's going to consume nearly 10 years of deficit reduction planned for in that bill and wipe out uh, disinflation benefits. So we're passing the Inflation uh, Reduction Act, and now we're going to uh, deliver a $300 billion uh, relief bill. And uh, it looks like student debt is about $1.6 trillion across the country. 43 million Americans carry the debt. But let me get to the crux of it. If you're asking my opinion on this, I, I, I believe it's clearly, and this is opinion, not news, this is clearly a move to benefit the base. When I started at Baldwin-Wallace College in Berea, Ohio, Republicans were more likely to be degreed than Democrats. Today, an estimated 63% of Americans with post-high school degrees tend to shade to the blue, 31% to the red. Uh, this, to me, is using, again, taxpayer dollars or printing money, however they're going to do it, or if they're just going to cancel debt and, and not get income um, or a mix of all of those. Uh, they're doing it to gen up additional support from the left. That's the, what it appears in the midterm elections in November. How in convenient that this announcement is, hey, look at all of us. Uh, we Democrats are, are giving you $10,000 back, you overwhelmingly leftist number, or excuse me, uh, left-leaning uh, number of, uh, of college graduates. Uh, make sure you vote for us in November and stave off the Republican red wave. That's all. I agree with you 100% with your opinion. That's all that this is. Jack Windsor. Terrific conversation. I appreciate you sticking around or coming back for us for part two of this. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again each and every week. Keep up the great work with the Ohio Press Network. Bob, it's always an honor. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. The music is playing. That means we are uh, just about out of here. Uh, I want to remind you again of tonight's Citizens for Free Speech webinar. Go to citizensforfreespeech.org. Click the calendar uh, tab at the top of the page. Scroll down and you will find a way to RSVP for tonight's webinar featuring our good friend uh, from uh, formerly of the Ohio Star, uh, Neil McCabe, now with the One American News Network. But he will be our featured presenter tonight with our CFFS webinar. Make sure you tune in for that. Thanks, everyone. We'll Let's see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.